Hello, sinners, saints, brothers, and sisters. I am so glad that you're here for another episode where we will inevitably explore our joy, shake our fists, and try to find our way in the midst of this chaotic world. Sinner Saint Sister really hopes to remind people that you are never, ever alone. So if you like today's episode, please share it with a friend. Maybe share it with your Bible study. Leave a review and like and subscribe. Look for extras on YouTube at youtube.com slash Allison Sullivan. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. I am thick in the middle of family life, which brings me great strife, and then great joy, and then great strife, and then great joy, and on and on and on. You know. I spend my time making dinners that kids will eat. Uh, Sometimes I hang out in a baby pool. I have explained that lipstick, it goes on your lips, not in your eyebrows. I have found plenty of the perfect princess dress. And those are the joys. But the strife for me, it is a dress-up day at school for which I'm unprepared. It's the nervous breakdown that I don't have time for and sleep, which I am certain I will never, ever, ever get enough of ever again. And stomach bugs. Definitely stomach bugs. Saying stomach bugs in a room full of moms, it's like saying fire in a theater. Try it. Watch how quickly all the moms grab their purses. A while ago, a stomach bug had violently worked its way through our family. I was the last to succumb. I had gone to bed that night thinking that I had been spared, but I woke up at 2 a.m. a little humbled and a little green. What had woken me up was my daughter's whimper. I listened and I waited to see if she really needed something. And then I waited a little longer to see if my stomach could handle a trek up the stairs. And then I waited a few more moments, thinking that maybe the whimpers could rouse my husband. You know, the non-green one. Baby whimper. Gurgle, gurgle, gurgle. Husband. Snore, snore, snore. Her whimpering, it wasn't going away. And it wasn't waking up my husband, so I would apparently have to act. And my first act was to flop one leg outside of the covers with just the right amount of exasperation and drama to either wake him up, alerting him to our crying child upstairs. Or if he was doing what I was doing and laying there awake, trying to decipher which one of us had more superpowers at the moment, the leg flop would tell him that it definitely wasn't me. And it was him. And he should be the one to, you know, scoot on up. So exasperated and dramatic leg flop, nothing. Okay, my second act was to combine the leg flop with throwing the covers off of my body completely with exasperation and drama, knowing full well that cover throwing, it's the universal sign for I can't take it anymore, but you definitely can and need to get on upstairs ASAP and deal with that crying baby before I barf on us all. So leg flop, exasperated and dramatic cover throwing, nothing. Okay, fine. My third and final act, it was to combine the leg flop and exasperated cover throwing with letting out a deep, fierce, angry sigh with a lot of exasperation and drama, all of the exasperation and drama that my weak stomach could handle. So cover flop, leg throw, dramatic sigh. With that, my husband mumbled something about antibiotics. He's an infectious disease doctor. And so I gave up with an all-out groan and got out of bed, and I stood there watching him sleep so very peacefully. I said aloud, really? And he answered me with something about vancomycin-resistant, and I angrily headed upstairs. Now, I understand that this was a passive-aggressive one-sided argument that I was having with someone quite asleep, but it was 2 a.m., and I was green. 
It can't be held to rationality. Of course, it was completely irrational that I was furious at someone who wasn't helping, who didn't even know I needed help. But at the time, I wasn't sure what that had to do with anything. He should, after all, sense these things. I do. So I huffed my way up to our little girl's room, each stair receiving a punishing stomp, hoping that this would finally wake him up. Before, I was just trying to get some sleep. But now, I was just being mean. So I walked into our little girl's room, and there she was, frozen in her bed, eyes wide. She looked so small in her big bed. She had a bad dream, and she was scared. And seeing her like that, it clutched my heart. And it made me feel ashamed that I wouldn't want to be the one to rush to her side. And so I crawled in bed with her, and we prayed a little and talked a little. I turned on a few lights, as many as I could, without waking everyone up. I touched her satin curls and traced the line of her curvy top lip, and I snuck out of her room as she drifted off as quietly as I could. My sweet little girl had needed me. We had bonded. She woke up afraid. She couldn't articulate exactly why, and I had loved her fears away the way only a mama can. It's what we do, and I was glad to do it, honored to do it. I walked down the stairs, but light this time, those same stairs that I had just angrily stomped up. I floated down, feeling intense love for my family. It's amazing what 10 minutes can do. When I walked back into our room, my husband was snoring straight up like a cartoon. There was even a whistle in there. I rolled my eyes, but this time with a smile. And I crawled into bed and I snuggled up next to him and I tried to fall back asleep. And I was so thankful to my little girl for letting me love her just right and teaching me yet again that it feels good to give. Maybe even more when it's a little sacrificial. My love for her was so big in that moment that it spilled over to my snoring, whistling, mumbling husband, and I went to sleep happy. As a sidebar, by the way, it should be known that if I had given my sweet husband a gentle shove and a, hey, babe, the baby's crying, would you see what's wrong? He would have leapt out of bed talking in full sentences as though he'd been up for hours. And it was actually his idea that he'd be the one to go care for our young one. He's supportive. Wonderfully. I read once that with God, I didn't have to be a mom or a wife or a daughter or a friend or a speaker or a mentor or a woman. He created me because he wanted someone to love. And so that's what I have to be, someone to love. Essentially, all I have to do is just show up and keep showing up. And there are highs, there are lows, there are starts and stops, there are second and a millionth chances. I have never done anything more self-donative than mothering. And for me, the most freedom I've ever felt doing it has been honesty, telling the truth. I have to be able to tell the truth that I don't want to go comfort my little girl in the middle of the night, even if I change my mind later. There is something healing for me about airing the honesty. It keeps me focused on the joyful parts I've noticed. The joyful parts that mothering brings, there are so many. But if I didn't allow myself to be honest about the difficult or undesirable parts, would those undesirable parts, would they take deeper root? And telling the truth, the hard parts, they're not erased. And so they can more easily lead to the glorious. It's like my low lows, they pave the way to my high highs. And I'm certain that if I squashed what was true and insisted only on half truths, I'd live a life with less intensity. And who wants that when it comes to joy? Libby, 
my friend on TikTok, and an internet sensation, Diary of an Honest Mom. She is normalizing what so many of us feel but are afraid to say. You're going to love this conversation. You're going to feel so welcome in her presence. I did. Friends, you might not know this, but I wrote a book. It's a spiritual memoir of sorts and puts a modern day spin on old parables that are still so applicable to our everyday lives. Judgment, forgiveness, evangelizing, heartbreak, joy. I'd love for you to grab a copy. Head on over to Amazon and look for Rock, Paper, Scissors by Allison Sullivan. Hello, Libby. I am so excited to have you on the show. I feel like you and I came onto TikTok at about the same time, and it has been such a joy watching your account grow and women women resonating with all of the things that you're saying. I know that you, you know, primarily deal with motherhood, and I am telling you what, women are latching on because I feel like it's there's this really common experience of motherhood and transformation. It's like no matter what, you are going to be transformed as a person. Like you are simply not going to be the same person that you were um, after motherhood. And sometimes that path can meander um, to places that we like and places that we that we don't like. And I feel like the whiplash of that, or maybe even the bravery, um, isn't really talked about enough, isn't really given enough credit. And then enter Libby <laughs> with um, with all of these videos that, that talk about all of these things. And you've just become a sensation. And I'm so, so glad to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I love watching your videos. They bring me <laughs> so much joy. I love all the connections that I've been able to make through TikTok with people that yeah. I never would have connected with otherwise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I just love being able to talk so honestly about motherhood in a way yeah. that I know wasn't modeled for me at mm -hmm. all. I have people say to me all the time, oh, I wish you were around when my kids were little. And I'm mm -hmm. like, I I wish I was around when my kids were little as well. Yeah. I yeah. wish someone was like talking about like this massive transformation we go through, all of the emotions that come with mm -hmm. it, all of like the guilt and the shame. And yes, of course, there's positive, positive emotions, mm -hmm. but the negative stuff is the stuff that no one shares about. And right. so I love yeah. being able to make a space for people to talk about the negative things without feeling like they're going to be labeled as a bad mom yeah. for having negative experiences and emotions. Yes. Well, you've done a wonderful job and you're making a great impact. One of the ways that I like to, because, you know, I feel like when I bring on TikTok people, they're not necessarily people that are known to a lot of people because not everyone is on TikTok. We have some late adopters. At least I still have some late adopters in my circle of friends. Um, and so I'm like constantly trying to beg them. No, you'll love it. I promise it's, it's more than, than, you know, teenage dances, but, um, if one way that I like to ask people to introduce themselves um, to people who might not know them yet is, can you tell us a little bit about who and what you love? Who do I love? I mean, obviously, I love my husband and my kids, but I feel like that's kind of a given. Who do I love? <laughs> I love women who inspire other women. Mm, I love that. Who can inspire other women. So Brene Brown, mm -hmm. Jen Hatmaker, mm -hmm. Glennon Doyle, mm -hmm. but Shauna Nyquist. Is that how you say her last name? Um, It's actually Nyquist, and I Nyquist. didn't know that either. Okay. Yes. 
Um, I learned, I learned, Shauna has been on the show, but, um, Aaron is just a friend of the show. And, um, and I learned when he came on and he was very gracious and taught me. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) I'm like, I need to like always ask because I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I say it wrong? Um, you know, Sarah Bessie, I love, I love women who inspire other women because I know for me growing up, I didn't have a lot of women around me that I aspired to be like, or who Mm -hmm. modeled a way of life or a way mm-hmm. of thinking or a way of interacting with the world that yeah. I wanted to be like. And so I really like latched on to women like this, like as I became a mother and a woman, because I had nowhere else to look. And so mm. women like that have really changed my life and changed mm-hmm. my perspective on my parenting, on mm-hmm. myself, all those sorts of things. What do I love? I love vulnerability and authenticity, but also being able to be lighthearted. Like I love the combination of just the humanness. I love people who are hilarious and funny people, but where it doesn't just end there, where it's not just like, oh, I'm funny and that's it. Like I love being able to go deep. Obviously, if you've seen my videos, you you know I'm fairly deep. But I love being able to do both and I love meeting other humans who can do both and understanding that the human experience is quite complex and we don't have to be all one or the other. Uh, I love that so much. We love so many of the same people and you are nailing what you love. So awesome. Um, so based off of of your success and in the way that women are responding to these videos, just generally, what is it that you think that we're craving? What is it that women, um, what what message are they just so relieved that feels like this exhalation when they when they find your channel? What What is it, if you could name it? It's connection and validation. Mm-hmm. There's so many women, people in general, but women and mothers who feel so lonely and isolated in so many of the things that they feel and experience in motherhood. And so many of us internalize those feelings and think it means that we're not enough or we're not cut out for motherhood or we're not yeah. good at adulting or we're not. It's a character flaw within us and that contributes to the shame cycle where we don't share because we feel like we're alone and we feel like we're crazy. But then because we don't share, we don't know other people experience it. And it's very lonely and isolating. Yeah. So when my video or someone else's video comes up on their feed that says I've experienced X, Y, Z, it's like this, Oh, it's not just me. It's not just me to other people. And so it provides that connection, but then it's also that validation of I'm not crazy. Like there's nothing wrong with me. This is just a common experience in motherhood and it's okay. Yeah. And it can often be reframed because I was thinking Mm -hmm. just as, as I've responded to your channel and as as I have, you know, felt nurtured by it really, um, don't we all still need mothered? Isn't that an interesting, you know, thing? It's that we all still are really craving, um, that place to feel cared for. So when I was, was answering the question myself of what is it that I crave? And I had this thought that it was like, a lot of it is, um, alone time. Like I'm really, I, I'm craving alone time. And whereas I, I would have thought of that as um, some sort of selfish endeavor, like it's because I'm a bad mom that I want to be afraid of them. What I have found from channels like yours and the women that you spoke of earlier is that there's this reframing of, no, that's not a, that's not a bad thing. That's not because you're a selfish person. That is a desire to be cared for. And that's how you're cared for is feeling alone. So, so going somewhere where someone can, you know, just kind of change the narrative just a little bit into something that 
isn't telling us that we're bad people, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> you do and such I, a great job of that. Thank you so much. I say to people all the time, you want to be alone. You want your children to stop talking to you. You want to break because you're a human being and because you're a person. It's not, Yeah. I almost feel like it's not because of any other reason. There's nothing special about you. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Bad about you or special about you for wanting to be alone. It's a human need to rest. Yeah. And it's a human need to be so alone good. and to have quiet and have peace and have yeah. a chance to have your own thoughts that last more than half a second. It's not because you're intrinsically flawed or you're a bad mom. It's literally because you're a human being. And the narrative that I really want to change around motherhood is this idea that just because you became a mother, it doesn't mean that your human needs went out the door. We still have all yeah. of those human needs. So why are we feeling guilty for having mm-hmm. human needs? That's right. I have women who say they so feel good. guilty for taking, they feel guilty for taking a shower. They feel <laughs> guilty for eating. They're like, well, my child, they need to eat. Even though they're already eating, their child wants something else. They feel guilty that they're eating and not doing something more for their child. And I had a message yesterday from someone who said to me, oh, you've given me the encouragement to eat without guilt. And it broke my heart. Wow. There's women out there every day who feel guilty for eating and sleeping and wanting to be alone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I know you probably know domestic blisters, Casey Mm -hmm. Davis. You know, she talks about um, changing the word chore to um, a care task, you know, it's like it's yeah. this way that w- that we care for ourselves. Because if you were to uh, feed a baby or change their diaper or do do the things that you would do to, to care for someone, you wouldn't call them. I'm going to go do my baby chores. You would call that. I'm going to go care for this person. And so when we care for ourselves, you can think about all of these things that we're doing for other people that we're not also extending to ourselves. You know, I, I don't know where you fall on the spectrum of of introvert extra. But I used to beat myself up just for simply, you know, being born an introvert. You know, it was like, I am an introvert in how we I, we have five kids. So in a house full of seven people, but in a house full of six extroverts, like I'm the only introvert. <laughs> so, so there's like this really special level of, you know, like just um, chaos and needing to retreat. And then in order to be a healthy happy mom, there are some things that I need to take care of first. So that prioritization, I, I, you know, I feel like gets a little wonky in motherhood. Right. Right. That would be, that would be a lot to live in a house with six (laughs) (laughs) extroverts being an introvert. But I think it's, it just speaks to this whole idea of when we are the only one in a group or we feel like we're the only one in a group with a certain experience, say being an introvert or say having ADHD or say yeah, whatever yeah. it is, uh, it makes us feel other. We yes, feel like we're uh-huh. other and we feel like there's something mm-hmm. wrong with us Yeah, simply because we're comparing our experience to those people around us. But yeah. I've come to this realization. It's not a matter of like who is right and who is wrong and who is in and who's out and who's yeah. other and who's a part of the group. It's like, we're all just unique and we're all just like living this life completely different to one another. And it's okay to be different. It's That's okay right. to be an extrovert in a room of introverts. Yeah. You know, like I, I have felt, I think I'm an ambivert to be honest. I used to yeah. be a full extrovert. And since the pandemic, I'm like, I just need to be alone a lot. <laughs> um, and so I do come to life in a room full of people, but I also need my alone time. Mm-hmm. I'm going with that. Oh, I used to feel so much shame when I would 
hang out with people who are all introverts, who are all like, you know, responsible adults who are quiet and just wanted to have their little conversations. And I was just like the one that's like, let's dance, like, let's do embarrassing things. Like, let's be crazy. (laughs) And it used to make me feel like I was a child in the group. Like there was something wrong with me for being outgoing or being silly. Wow. And it made me feel so like ashamed of myself. Like you need to be better at adulting. Like you need to just calm down. Like you need to be quiet. You need to be smaller. You need to be, mm-hmm. I was trying to like put myself in this little box and it's just, it's this whole thing of like, no matter who we are, it's very easy to feel like we're other. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have felt other as an introvert and I felt mm-hmm. other than ext- other as an extrovert right. and really neither is good or bad. Yeah. It's fun to think of like, you know, if you were to just toss out a bunch of these, I don't know, circles and where they overlap or are things that are in common and we can celebrate that and connect on that and, you know, find TikTok channels on that thing, you know, and then where we're different is kind of a shoulder shrug, like, okay, well, that's different. You know, I mean, we don't have, I feel like I can get so caught up in, in, um, you know, like I, I definitely felt like a jerk at the party because I didn't want to be there. I spend a lot of time in the bathroom, right. you know. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but you know, getting that alone time and finally listening to myself instead of you know trying to convince myself to be someone I wasn't, um, getting that alone time it, it it's so restorative for me because I can use other parts of my brain and other parts of my heart that I don't use in parenting. I can remember these other roles that I have and just ultimately. Um, the thing that makes me more me, you know, I can concentrate um, more easily on the things that make me more me, which isn't holy motherhood. Yeah. Right. Um, and it, it, like, it opens up that window of tolerance too, where it's like, if yes. you are never getting alone time, you're never getting time for yourself. You're never getting an opportunity to recharge and your window of tolerance is full all the time. Mm-hmm. As soon as that little thing happens, it's just going to knock you over the edge. That's when we get those explosions in motherhood. That's when we get that. Totally. It's when we get that overstimulation. Yeah. When we're not taking those opportunities to decompress and be alone and allow ourselves yeah. to do that. That's like that's a great point. Because any time that I have just like embarrassingly lost it as a mom, it's because things have gotten too loud. Isn't that in- right. isn't that interesting? What about you? Right. Like your embarrassing oh, mom yeah. moments. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like what the noise. It noises my trigger, but I also talk a lot about like the internal noise of the mental load, right? Mm-hmm. So as moms, mm-hmm. we're usually the ones for the majority carrying the mental load, thinking about soccer practice and forms and, you know, home reading and all the different things we're thinking mm-hmm. about. So I have this mental noise of like, did I get the meat out of the freezer? Did I do this? Did I do this? Yeah. And so there's the mental noise, plus there's the actual noise. And right. sometimes like all it takes is like one extra stimuli coming in like one question or one loud bang and it just like sends me over the edge yeah um so I use a lot of like noise canceling headphones because I'm like there's only so much I can limit the internal mental noise but if Mm -hmm. I can just like limit the external noise that helps yeah it's good getting breaks It's why it's why we turned on the radio to figure out, you know, when we're driving, it's why we turned on the radio to like see where we're going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like Absolutely. my son is like, you just turned on. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. um, OK, so what are some surprising things about motherhood, Libby, that you wish that you could have taken your younger self aside and and warned her about? Like, these are the things that are coming. Prepare. And then conversely, um, what are some of the joys that you have never expected? That's a big question. 
Uh, I could talk a lot about those things. <laughs> One of the major things I wish that I knew before I became a mom was that becoming a mom would bring up so much of my childhood. Yeah. When I decided to have a family, I would have said to you, oh, I'm over my past. Like I mm. feel I've forgiven my parents. I've forgiven people who have hurt me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm on the road to like a secure family life. We're good. And becoming a mom just brought up so much rawness from my childhood yeah. and so many feelings and so many memories and so many things that I had never even really felt before mm -hmm. as a mom about my mom about my children. It was wild. So I, yeah. I wish I, I would have known how much that would happen. And it's not that you can fully prepare, but I, I wish I had done a little bit more work on myself and maybe on my trauma responses before uh -huh. uh, parenthood. And we talk about overstimulation. I didn't know I was going to be overstimulated before yeah. I became a mom. I never really was overstimulated before. Right. And people say that to me all the time. They're like, I wasn't overstimulated before I became a mom. And it's like, yeah, but you were never around noise and sound and touch 24 seven. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Most of us didn't experience that. So I didn't know what it was going to feel like or that it would trigger me. I knew mm -hmm. internally what type of mom I wanted to be, but I didn't know that like the overstimulation would make me react in ways that didn't align yeah, with my values. Right. Right. Well said. And yeah. And I was like, I have these values, but I all of a sudden couldn't act on them because I was in survival mode in my like triggered body. Mm -hmm. So those were, those are the biggest things I mm -hmm. wish mm -hmm. that I knew. And I also, I didn't know how much I would love my kids and <laughs> yeah. people talk about, oh, you'll love them more than anything you've ever loved before. And I remember when I had my firstborn and I saw her. It's like love didn't even like describe the feeling that I felt. It was like, it was a part of me that was outside of my body now. And I was just walking, watching my heart walk around yeah. outside my body. And I had more empathy and more love and more grace for this little human that I ever had for myself. Yeah. And having children in the long run, it took a while. It took a process, but it made me love myself hmm. because I realized that in wanting to break the cycle of generational trauma and in wanting to be the parent to my child that I've never been and then loving and forgiving and giving grace to this child that I couldn't give to myself, I eventually realized, well, if my child is worth forgiveness, you know, when they drive me crazy, if my child is worth grace, if my child deserves this love and deserves all of these good things and emotions that I feel bestowed upon her, then don't I deserve those things mm -hmm. too? Mm -hmm. And it turned from giving my child everything that I didn't get to wanting to give myself also yeah. the things that I didn't get right. from the person that I may have wanted them from. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's been a really beautiful gift is that the love for myself that I got through loving my kids. Yeah, I agree with you that there were um, very unexpected harms and hurts and, um, you know, memories or experiences that were largely undealt with, that there was something about seeing my kid at that age where there was like this re-traumatization, you know, there was this, this Absolutely. memory and then, and, and what I've, you know, just, I don't know, through a lot of work and, and trying to be a good human and a good parent and therapy and, and whatnot, but it's, you know, you, there's an opportunity to re, re, um, experience those things in, in a healthy way and accepting 
that past, it doesn't mean that I agree with it or, um, you know, any situation that harmed me. It doesn't mean that that acceptance is like, um, you know, being complicit in it. I mean, but, but it is what it is. And so now there there's this. And so there's this new opportunity to raise a whole new generation of human. I mean, what if deeply loving parents can change the brains of this generation. And what Absolutely. if that changes everything? I mean, changes the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it really, you know, being a mom, becoming a mom, although it's hard and it brings up, you know, our traumas or the hard things we've been through, it provides an opportunity to reparent ourselves and an opportunity mm-hmm. to give ourselves what maybe we never got. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time my daughter came home and told me that she was made fun of by somebody at school. Someone said something mean to her. And of course, as a mom, it like tears your heart to shreds. And you like want to be like mama bear. But I spoke love into her life and encouragement and, and wisdom. And I validated her feelings. And I was simultaneously struck with this like really deep grief of mm. what I would have given to have had mm. a parent acknowledge yeah. and validate me in the same way that I am providing for my child. And oh gosh, I never got that. And then immediately guilt that I am thinking about myself in this moment Mm, that I'm encouraging my daughter. Yeah. And then immediately after that, or maybe not immediately a little bit after that thinking, but I can say it to myself now. I can do for my child what was never done for me. And I can also start saying the things to myself when I have those similar feelings and holding space for the grief of that I didn't have that, but also space for the opportunity that I have to be that for myself yeah. as well. Man, what a thick experience that is. That is, there are a lot of layers to all of that. And yeah, a lot of layers. It's but intense. Pulling, apart, pulling them apart is important. Right? It is. Sometimes we say, "Oh, it's just mom guilt. It's just mom guilt, or it's just this, yeah. or it's just this." And it's like it's actually multifaceted. Yeah. And it's not this dichotomy of it's one or the other. You either love your child or you love yourself or you either feel guilty or you feel pride. It's like mm-hmm. you can feel proud of being that for your child, but also a little bit of guilt that you're like, we can have a multitude of experiences and feelings at the same time and it yeah. not be wrong. And we sell ourselves short and I think underestimate ourselves, frankly, to be able to deal with all of it. It's like, I mean, there's so many acts of avoidance in our daily lives. I mean, even just a, something as, you know, that could be as harmless as a scroll can also be, our therapy or our active avoidance where it's like, no, I should probably spend more time with this feeling that I'm feeling instead of um, feeding it with food, which is kind right. of my crutch of choice. Um, so, Thanks. you know, but, but yeah, I do. I think, I think we underestimate our, our abilities to do that. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I know I'm not the only one who grew up in a generation of parents who would say things like, Oh, well, I had to deal with that. And I was absolutely fine. Or, you know, they dismiss your experiences as a child because things were worse for them. And how cool is it that we can say, I'm still going to provide this for you, even though I didn't have it. Yeah. Like that's, that does change the world, right? And to think we're raising a generation of children who have that as their model and we'll have to work a little bit less hard to break cycles. So good. So good. So good. Okay. So you talk a lot, Libby, about letting ourselves off the hook as far as, um, I don't know, just 
Pinterest worthy um, momming or Instagrammable decorations, what have you. But you, you talk a lot about letting ourselves off the hook with expectations or comparison, what have you. Um, what are the things that you have healthily let go of? Like with a lot of peace, I have let go of that in order to maintain uh, the type of mom you want to be, the peace you want to have, whatever. And then what are the things that, you know, I'm holding on to this, this, this thing isn't going. I have let go of the idea that my home needs to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And I have especially let go of the idea that my home needs to be perfect in order for me to have friends or community or friendship. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have this idea that I couldn't have people over. I couldn't have friends over. I couldn't live in community with other people unless my house was perfect, unless I had the right food to serve, unless Mm -hmm. I had a good variety of drinks to serve people. And it really limited me from being able to make friends and keep friends and invite people over and not like have, you know, my backup and realizing that other people can value a beautiful home that's perfectly clean and perfectly decorated. And that doesn't mean that I have to feel ashamed of myself or feel not enough. That can be fine for them. And I can be fine with just the way that I live. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my house is sanitary, but I definitely don't stress if someone shows up at the front door, I'm like, come on in. Like it's, And I have given that away with such peace. Like I feel no guilt if someone comes over to my messy house. I'm like, Mm -hmm. we are humans and we live in a house and people live in houses and people who live in houses have stuff. Like it's just, it's just reality. And maybe you have a bunch of baskets that match and you shove everything into baskets and it looks like humans don't live there. And that's great for you. But I, I don't do that. So that's (laughs) something that I absolutely let go of. And the front porch, I wish I could show you. I have pumpkins mm. on my front porch still and it's the middle yeah. of november yeah <laughs> i just went to a workshop this weekend and made this like beautiful like christmas urn and i like put it on the front porch when i got home and i was like oh it's right beside the the pumpkins that are rotting right now so <laughs> yes <it's fine."> right <laughs> right the, the moldy feel- <laughs> like caved in pumpkin <laughs> yeah but i don't feel shame about it like i just mm-hmm. acknowledge that like, this is me and sometimes i'm not very good at things like putting rotting pumpkins away and that's okay that's fine yeah um so cleaning my house and also I let go of the standards I had around food for a long time because Mm. my child was Mm. a really difficult eater and then pandemic Mm. and mental health and so many things I'm coming back I'm coming back to cooking I do love cooking but I let go of that for a while and it's just acknowledgement of like this is not my season for being a great cook this is not my season for enjoying cooking it'll come back when it comes back and then it is and that's okay that's good. I, I like that, that there, that it's not this once and for all thing, but it's like in yeah. this season of life, this is the thing that needs to go. It might come back. Right. Nothing's forever. Right. We'll see. Right. I love that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it empowers us to let go of it. Yeah. Right. I can deal with like, I can't let go a little bit. Cause if I have this like spool of thread and I let go a little bit, like the whole thing is going to unravel and I can't yeah. get it back, but it's like, no, you can like let go a little bit and then take it back whenever yeah. you want to, I like, like that. whenever your circumstances change. Something that's really important to me is having family time and intentional conversation and Mm -hmm. knowing my children and being known by them. Mm -hmm. And so eating around the dinner table is something that's really important to us. And I know that it's not for other people. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I remember when I moved in with my aunt, when I was 16 years old, my mom had just left. My brother had recently left before that. And she took me in and their family ate around the dinner table and they just mm. talked to each other and they mm. joked and they laughed and nobody was fighting. They were just sharing about their lives. And I remember being like completely awestruck wow. that these 
people, number one, sat around a dinner table and then spoke to each other. And I was like, I want that. I want that for my family. I want that opportunity to check in on my kids. I want to joke with them and I want to make memories that way. And so ever since my kids were babies, like even like newborn, like you're in that rocky chair, you're on the table, you're bouncing or eating, even though you can't participate. And then as toddlers and so it's, it's always dinner time. And my husband's a shift worker, so he's not always there. But it's mm-hmm. like, it is this routine that we're just in where I want to carve out this time. And it's really that consistent time that we can do that. And I want them to know that there's always going to be an opportunity for them to open up and talk about something. Because as you know, like it gets so busy. Yeah. Your days get so busy and it's so easy to just fall from one thing to the other to the other. And you never get a chance to actually sit down and talk. And so eating around the dinner table for me is something that I haven't let go of and I don't think I will let go of. Yeah. I love that so much. I've found that, um, just, I agree with you that the communication aspect of it's re- it's foundational to, to good relationship, but having good communication with my kids is just so important to me. And, and there, are, there's a lot of nuance to that. Like, for example, um, w- one of the things that it, it, one of the unexpected joys of motherhood for me is, um, a shared experience that makes me and my kids laugh together. Like when we are Mm. laughing together, like just that genuine, like we are both laughing. I mean, seas part and stars fall for me. It's like, I mean, the world is at, there's nothing better. It's so, and so creating moments um, for that to happen, you don't really laugh with someone in unity um, if you don't have a great relationship, you know? And so it's like, okay. so for me, it's kind of working backwards. It's like, this is this thing I love. I don't ever want that to not exist in our home. So what are the things, you know, we need to, we need to have really good conversations. And I feel like good conversations, those high pressure ones with um, a lot of purpose, you know, and we're going to go and have a talk. Those have never been very fruitful. It's really just being around. It's just being available. Like, you know, those times in the kitchen, those times around the dinner table, it's just the routine of we're both in this same place and those things have to happen. You're right. We can live with such a hectic schedule that there's not even opportunity for that. You know, how are you going to die laughing in a, in a car together if you haven't talked in two weeks, you know? Right. Yeah. And I mean, are our kids going, Hey mom, I really want to talk to you about this thing that happened at school. No, I know there's been a few times when I've thought to myself, I haven't had one-on-one time with one of my children in a while. We need to do something. And we'll just simply, you know, go to the mall and get ice cream. Sure. And I will have asked this child three, four separate times that day, that week, how things are going at school, anything coming Mm -hmm. up, you know, nothing. I get nothing. Nothing. No, everything's fine. Everything's fine. All of a sudden, we're 20 minutes into the drive. There's hasn't really been anything said and something comes out that has really been bothering them. Yeah for a long time that's repeatedly happening at school yeah. that hurts their feelings. And eventually they're in tears telling me about this in the back of the car. I feel bad that I can't like turn around or say anything, but I've had these moments where I'm like, wow, if I didn't decide to just say, Hey, let's go for ice cream. This moment yeah. wouldn't have happened. Yeah. If I had said, Hey, let's talk about school. She never would have opened up. Right. It had to be in this really organic moment where we just naturally are spending time together. Totally. Um, you know, I was, it's kind of that sliding doors moment where it's like, what if I wouldn't have asked? Um, mm-hmm. But I, you know, there is a way to talk to our kids where they want to listen. There's a way to listen to our kids where they want to talk. But I, and I don't, you know, know the the magic of that. And so for me, it's really just kind of 
being available, but we know that kids work on their own rhythms. Like the things that we schedule and plan, and this is going to be this hard hitting, you know, heavy conversation. The other thing too, is I have a daughter who, um, I have, I just, I ask her, um, you know, do I love you well? Because she is just a little um, different than the rest of my kids where I feel like some of my natural abilities, the ways that I am naturally make, um, my other kids feel very nurtured and loved. And she's just the one that's a little more likely to slip upstairs by herself. Um, and so I, I do, I I'm explicit with her. Like, do I love you well? And, and I have found that for her, um, by the way, when you said you were, you know, in the van and you're driving and you're like, you know, you feel bad, you can't turn around. That's probably why it happened that way. You know, it's probably because you're driving. But anyways, with my daughter, it was, there's this mode of communication that's, that's better for her, which is writing. And so we keep this little journal. And so there will, this thing will end up on my pillow one night. And I, I mean, she has, you know, three pages of, of things that have been bothering her, but, but catering to our kids, um, preferred style of communication is, is such a big one too, that I had to learn a little bit the hard way with her. Yeah. I, I love that actually. Maybe I need to try that. It doesn't work uh, like, with like, any of my other kids. It's just her. Well, <laughs> one of my kids is it's very similar where the way that I am just makes this child feel yeah. so loved by me. And I feel like I don't have to do anything special. Uh-huh. I think I'm the funniest. I think I'm <laughs> like just wonderful. And this other child, like, it sometimes feels like I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who likes to have hard conversations. So I just like bring things up and I'm honest <laughs> and straightforward. And this child is more like my husband who's like, let's just slow it down and like not be so direct and like, let's mm-hmm. not. Um, and so when this you're describing that thing, situation perfectly, like mm-hmm. us, you just described that perfectly. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. This one gravitates towards my husband because mm-hmm. he can sit in the quiet. Mm-hmm. He can sit in the quiet and he can mm-hmm. just listen, even if there's nothing happening. Whereas the silence for me is like, let's get talking, let's mm-hmm. whatever. And so I have such a hard time just like being in the quiet and being in the silence and just waiting. And he's so good at that. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing. It's really cool seeing how he interacts um, with this, this one. But yeah. I, yeah. I'm learning a lot about how I need to just alter the way I communicate, alter mm-hmm. the way that I can be supportive so that, yeah, it's in the way that they feel loved. We think about um, love languages and partnerships, but it's kids too. It's kids yeah. Too, right? Oh, 100%. So, okay. Speaking of your sweet husband, some of you have you have two topics that delight me. Well, you I you delight me in general, but you have two topics that especially delight me. And one of them is your your videos on ADHD. I ju- by the way, just got diagnosed. I am 45 years old. Thank you very much. I feel like a pu- the last puzzle piece of my life has just like fallen into place where I'm like, "Aha." I mean, it is it's been revolutionary. Right. But the other topic is um your very popular opinions on all of the things that husbands should also be doing to care for children and maintain a home. You have yeah, been very explicit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I ha- I have been and so welcome to the ADHD club. It's chaotic in here. Yeah. yeah. But, but we are a community and we can all be messed this together. Um, yes, exactly. And it's really interesting that you bring up the other topic, which somehow seems unrelated, but related at the same time. 
about partners and the husbands who, you know, take care of the house, take care of the kids, what they do mm-hmm. or they don't. And, you know, some of the most viral videos are about like sharing the domestic load and sharing uh-huh. the mental load uh-huh. and all that kind of stuff. And my husband's always been great. Same. At, you know, he does more laundry than I do. He always mm-hmm. takes part in the household. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, I'm still the default parent and there's still things that fall more on me than fall on sure. him. And then yes, there's Same. friction, but he's been a great, a great, great partner. I've realized through social media that there's a lot of people who are really not in great partnerships and it breaks my heart. But I will say, because of the ADHD thing, I I am the person who chaotically loads the dishwasher. Like I used to feel so much shame because there would be all these videos or all these little jokes about how women are so organized and women line up the plates and the men just like don't care and the men just leave their cups around and the men don't know how to do it properly. And I would be like in my head being like, am I a man? Like, am I, I'm the man, I'm the man in this relationship. Like my husband is so organized and like this has this way of doing things. And I was just like, oh, whatever I'll get to, it's fine. And I felt so careful about myself. And so I now realize it's because I have ADHD that I am just chaotic with the dishwasher and a lot of other organizational things in my life but also made me grateful that I do have an active yeah. partner and I do have a husband who fully takes part in the household and knows how things run and knows where the recycling goes and knows how to call the doctor when the kids need an appointment yeah. because being married to a woman, a mother with ADHD who is chaotic and has a terrible memory yeah. and gets overstimulated and gets mm-hmm. overwhelmed and forgets things. It's really nice to have that. And I yeah. don't know if I would survive if I were in a marriage where my partner did not do those things because I am a mess. Yeah. If I'm ever in Canada or you're ever in Texas, we need a double date because you just described our relationship perfectly. Um, As it turns out, there is one more than one way to load a dishwasher and it's fine. Um, Is is yours? Get clean. It's fine. Is, Is his prettier? I mean, I guess, but who cares? I mean, this is more functional. It's not more functional. The water is so hot. It's so hot. And the thing spins regardless. The water's hot and the thing is spinning and there's hot water and there's steam. And regardless, the stuff is coming off the plate and then we're putting it away and it's fine. And if it doesn't come off, then we just run it again. And you just press a button one more time. It's not lots of extra work. It's literally like button, go. We'll try again next time. And it's fine. Now he, he, he has, there are things that he's kind of given up on and he will like, let me load the dishwasher and whatever. Um, he has drawn a firm line at me just using his toothbrush. He's like that, that's, can I, can I have that boundary? Yeah. <laughs> right. But here's, I had a whole thing about this in the summer. I think I did a couple of TikToks about the toothbrush thing. Cause we went camping with a few couple friends of ours and we had this whole argument about like, can we use each other's toothbrush? And I'm like, well, of course, like we are married. Yeah. We have made human beings. We right. made those human beings with our, our body. Yeah. The orifices of our body have touched yeah. in a multitude of ways. Yeah. But I can't use your toothbrush. Right. Like it literally, like you literally kiss me with the same, like I don't understand. Yeah. But for some people, like your husband, and uh-huh. I think my husband, I don't think he likes that I use his toothbrush. They like, they think it's gross, but I'm like, but what about the other gross stuff we do? I don't understand why it's such a big deal. (laughs) And he's like, so we're having this conversation and my husband's like, to be clear, your feelings are hurt because I don't want you to use my toothbrush. Is that, that's what we're talking about? And I'm like, kind of, yes, kind of, a little bit. 
Right, right. And your feelings are legitimately hurt. Likewise, it's such a big deal. Well, yeah. Oh, Libby, you are a delight. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for the content that you make. Um, Please. Oh, you know what? Okay. So I would like, before you tell us where to follow and how to support you, um, can you close us out with something that you are hopeful for? I'm hopeful that we can change the narrative on what motherhood is. Mm-hmm. And that moms can be human beings outside of motherhood and not feel guilty for having human needs. And that's just a common accepted experience mm-hmm. across all mothers and all societies mm-hmm. that we get to exist outside of just being mothers. Mm-hmm. That's my hope. Mm-hmm. That's my yeah. hope. Yeah. Good. I love it. Um, how do we follow along? How can we support you? Tell us all the platforms. Um, how, if you, Went to have Libby on your show, whatever. T- tell us all the things. Okay, you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Diary of an Honest Mom, making ridiculous videos that will make you laugh or cry. Can't guarantee either. And on my website, diaryofanhonestmom.com, I have some blogs with lots of resources on ADHD and mental health and motherhood and that kind of fun stuff. And I also just released a free guided journal, a printable for moms who are struggling generally in life with motherhood um, to help them gain some self-awareness and really learn how to lower expectations and what expectations to lower Mm. and how to prioritize your time and feel good about yourself as a mom. There's been a lot of really good response. A lot of women have been really helped by it. So you can find that on my website. It's just a free download. Okay. I'm sorry. Is your your website diaryofanhonestmom.com? That's the website also? Okay. That's it. Yep. Yeah, Perfect. Thanks for having me. This has been such so a fun. Thank you so much. So fun to connect with you in person, in real life, not in person, but in real life. I, I appreciate your work so much. Thanks so much. Sinners, saints, sisters, do you need a speaker for your event? Do you need someone to lead your retreat? It would be all my joy to serve and spread God's love to you and the people you gather with compassionate leadership, Bible-based teaching, authentic life stories, and a lot of laughter at heart. You can reach me at sinnersaintsister at gmail.com. Okay, so good morning, Beefy. Hi, Beefy. So um, Libby is an, an internet friend. We mm-hmm. got on TikTok at about the same time and just have you know, kind of grown our accounts to mm-hmm. one another. And then she went like crazy wild on Instagram and has this huge following. And it's all because that woman is telling the truth about motherhood. And she is just super transparent about um, how she feels, about where she's been, how she was raised, how she's making different choices, mm-hmm. um, what she expects of the person who is also raising the children alongside her and lives in the same house. Um, So there's all sorts of things that come up in her work and it's really, really Mm -hmm. great. There's nothing better than vulnerability and authenticity period. But on those areas, I mean, it's so, you just want to like be near her, right? Yes. Even whether you share the exact same thoughts or not, it's just like, thank you. Thank you for being honest. Yes. Refreshing. Um, So one of the things that you and I, as we had a meeting before the meeting, we were talking about how cool it was to acknowledge the seasons. And so things don't have to be permanent losses. It's just, Mm -hmm. this isn't the season for that. Right. Right. 
Um, what it made me think about, she's, I think she talked about like, it's not her season to cook right now. It's actually kind of not mine. So I felt like she gave me permission for that. So that was mm -hmm. awesome in itself. Mm -hmm. But one thing I say all the time in a professional setting is that I uh, believe that women can have it all, but I do not believe they can have it all at the same time, mm -hmm. which is really saying that there's seasons, right? Um, yeah. But I have never thought to apply that to like my home or personal life. Yeah. And so I, I just kind of always thought that all that has to be on all the time because that's separate. Right. And then the work stuff seasons. So, um, so that was, that was a moment for me and something that I'm definitely going to, um, think about more, um, just for all kinds of things in the home that, that I am not doing right now, <laughs> but yeah. to not say goodbye to them forever. Right. Right. Like, right. But, but I think one thing, and, and this is how her work kind of all ties together is that one thing that allows you to peacefully say, Oh, okay. That's just a season is when you have an active and engaged partner. Mm -hmm. When you have so, when you can say, hey, it's not my season for and by the way, this can be day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, you know, right. like um, so there will be I have noticed that Seth and I really take turns with who's doing laundry. It's like we kind of mm. have and, and I don't know that you could like map it out. But if and by the way, if we did map it out, we would reject it. But it's like, we have laundry months. What I've noticed mm -hmm. is that like, I'll go about four weeks and then it's like, I can't do it anymore. And I tap mm -hmm. out and then he's got laundry for the next four weeks. And I'm sure everybody kind of has their own unspoken arrangement about how right. things need to shift and take turns. Right. Okay. So we have a, we have a little different kind of shift at my house that comes to mind. Um, everyone thinks this is so weird when I tell them this, and I'm not even sure that you know this, but, um, I, have like a is visceral the right word that might be too strong of a word but like visceral I, yeah like a yeah, physical like I, yes I have to change sides of the bed on the regular like we do not have sides um pardon mind blown yeah um you do not I, have a side of the bed do not have side. like every night literally he'll kind of like look at me like what are we doing and I'm like oh I got to be over there um it is definitely like if I haven't slept well that one night, like the next night, I must be on the other side. And that man, even though anybody else in the world, including my beef that I've told this to, has looked at me with shock and awe. He's like never batted an eye. Like we just, we just, That's, he just, he just literally rolls right on over. Literally rolls with it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is hilarious. Yeah. Um, okay. So what are ways that you have, um, given for him? Wow. So if he's, if he's giving up his side of the bed for you. Well, okay. The first one that comes to mind, really, I, it's not, I can't take credit for it. It's cause he taught me this, but, um, I, as you know, I, I grew up with a yelling mother, a loving, loving yelling mother, lots of voices raised. If we meant it, you were yelling it. Um, and so that's who I would have been who I probably am at my core, but yeah. he, um, doesn't yell and he doesn't raise his voice. And so what mm. I learned very early on in marriage is that it is very hard to raise your voice to someone who is meeting you back with calm and a level voice. Yeah. And so you just look like a <laughs> lunatic, a total lunatic. I mean, it's, 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 I'm still as angry, but it's just, it makes you, yeah, you look like just bizarre and over the top because he's like measured. Yeah. Um, so see how I did that? He helped me not be a yeller, but I just said that that's something that I'm giving up for him. No, no, it is. No, it is because okay. that's your inclination. 
Yeah, no, okay. I told, I, yes, I, that is what you know. That's how you were raised. That even feels effective. That's so I am not, I, yeah, I love that. I think that's okay. really great. Silas is, uh, uh, Silas, Seth's energy um, very much matches mine. So our house can get noisy. <laughs> um, okay. So what's one thing that you've. No, changed? that's wild. We, I, I can't even imagine switching sides of the bed. Although if he's not there, I will, um, like if I, when I work and like mm. if I'm working from home or on the computer, I prefer to be on his side. Um, I, huh. my feelings are just hurt that he thinks we need separate toothbrushes. So, oh, um, gosh, I'm yeah, with them anyways. on that one. Seth, keep yeah. your own toothbrush. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Thanks beef. I, I can't wait to, I don't know, see the other things that Libby decides to tell the truth about and let us all in on and her. She's so open and a great follow. Everybody go follow. I'm following. Bye. Bye. Thank you so, so much for listening. Thank you for being here. A very special thank you to all guests and sponsors. A really special thank you to Taylor Schroll for mixing and editing. For more content, you can head over to Instagram at Allison M. Sully and TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. You can also check out Forte Catholic and subscribe there where you have a 25% chance of hearing me co-host. I am so grateful for all of the love and support that we offer each other here. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.